is uh, Romans 4, uh, 14, uh, 15 and 16, sorry. And Romans chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And we'll talk about the benefits of being family. You know, there are benefits of being in a family, aren't there? You know, it says, as anyone can tell you, you know, to be, a, to be a part of a family has certain benefits. And of course, it depends on the family. Certain families have other benefits than others. But, but they're there. They're always there. And uh, as, we, as Paul was laying this out, he said there's a benefit of having Abraham as a father. You know, as Paul said that if you're a part of God's family, then Abraham is your father. And in verse uh, uh, 4.13, said, For the promises to Abraham and to his offspring, that he would be heir of the world, uh, not, only to, not only are you heir to everything, but in Abraham you get all the promises, for there are no other promises. But as we read this morning, as Paul's talking about these, these benefits, he's not finished. And then I think in many ways come to one of the most amazing ones this morning. So, so uh, Romans 4, 15 and 16. Romans 4, 15. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You know, Paul began back in chapter 3 with this, with this task. He started way back then and, and, and with this monumental task, I think, in Paul's eyes, and a, and a very needful task of the day. As he was speaking to this church in Rome, as he was encouraging them in this church of Rome. And this, this church was, as we've talked before, was, was made up of, of, of these Jewish uh, believers and these Gentiles. And, they were, they, they, and we know where it started from, that, that these, these Jewish believers had been in, 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 or probably know where it came from, they had been in Jerusalem, they had been at Passover, they had heard the preaching, they went back to Rome. And so now this church is mingled somewhat. And of course, they, they had this, these Jewish believers have been teaching and so, and so, as Paul is talking to them here, he is, he is separating, he's pulling apart faith in the law. He, he's trying to, trying to pull these two things apart in the minds of, 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 his, of the listeners and to the, and to the church there. He's separating these. How, how, where did this separate? And for us, we see them as polar opposites. We see it as, as you know, the, the faith is over here and the law is over here and they have nothing to do with one another. They, they're complete opposite. They couldn't be any further apart. Um, I, I, I really, as I've read and studied this, I've come to believe that's more of a product of our time than of the Scripture. And, and I look at that from, from Hebrews. You know, when, when Paul is talking, or the, when the writer of Hebrews is talking about their failure to, to follow the law, what does he call it? Unbelief. He didn't call it disobedience. He didn't call it you've broken the law. He said you. It, it's unbelief. Uh, and so, so there's this, so there's this, 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 this kind of a, a connection between faith and the law. And Paul's trying to get them to understand that there's a separation here that we have to separate. It's not disobedience. It wasn't disobedience to not follow the law. It was unbelief. Um, and 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 to be quite honest. I mean, as, as I work through this in, in my own mind, in my own thoughts, there's, I, I'm still trying to, I think, for lack of a better word, clear out some cobwebs. And so what does that actually look like and mean? And, and I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, a lot I don't know. 
but I think there's there's a lot more uh, uh, overlap going on in, in the Church of Rome and even in our day than than, than what uh, you know we would think about. But but Paul he he, he started in verse in chapter three twenty one and twenty two started pulling those two apart. He said, but now the right in verse chapter three verse twenty one. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, all who believe. He said, this is where we start seeing that separation. You know, and as we talk, we've talked in, the implications are that previously the righteousness of God was manifested by the law. But now there's something different. Now we're not going to manifest God's righteousness by the law, we're manifesting God's righteousness through faith, through something different. Paul went on in verse 27. He said in, in that same chapter, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You see this, this as Paul is just, as he's, as he's put this little divider in there and he's pulling them apart and separating them, moving them further and further apart. Now, he's not saying the works of the law are bad. He said they had a part. We do not overthrow the old law. We uphold the old law by the new law. Verse 31. Paul's saying this, this works of faith is upholding the law. But you need to understand this is a difference. Something else is happening here. Chapter 4. Paul's been talking about faith as the fulfillment of the law, not works. So this is the only way, so the, the only way that we manifest the righteousness of God or that God will manifest his righteousness through us now, is by faith. That this, this is by faith that God's righteousness is manifest. The righteousness of God will never be manifest by our works of the law, by us keeping the law. These don't manifest God's righteousness. It is faith. So Paul continues this separation of law and faith by using Abraham as an example. He was proving that Abraham is the father of the faithful, not the father of the keepers of the law. Verse 411, or chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so the righteousness will be counted to them as well. So he's saying that Abraham is the father of the faithful. It's their faith that, 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 that is our, our, our connection to Abraham. And so as we saw, Paul completed this separation in last week's text. As he held these two and, and, and said there, that this is where we get this, this polar opposite. For the promises to Abraham and to his offspring that he would be the heir to the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the inheritance of the law who are to be heirs. Faith is null and the promises is void. So the only way to be an heir, the only way to be a part of this family is by faith or by believing in what God has done. By believing that God is and that he is rewarder of those who seek him. That, that, that the only way to, 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 to be a part, to, 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 to achieve, the, to, re, to receive the, the promises of God is by grace. That is our only hope, by grace alone. Yesterday I was uh, uh, in, in Cookville at a conference, and when I got in the car, I told Matt and, and Jack, I got in the car, and, and I turned on the radio, and when I went into that conference, 
I was listening to the same radio station. It was really good. There was a man talking about keeping the Sabbath and just what that meant, and I was really enjoying the, the sermon. And when I got back in, I had that same radio station on, and there were these, uh, these men, they were talking, and uh, they call it a, a table talk, which kind of got my attention. And, and so uh, uh, I thought, oh, well, it's, it's connected to uh, uh, R.C. Sproul. It didn't take long as I was listening to that to realize they were not connected to R.C. Sproul. Um, they, they got on, and, and, and so first, first thing they did, they, they had this really wonderful quote by uh, uh, Martin Luther, and it was uh, you know, about the sovereignty of God over all things. But then uh, they, were, they, they were talking about how uh, the, the problem with Martin Luther and John Calvin was that, that, they, that, that, um, that they were trying to preserve the sovereignty of God. But the Jacob Arminius found a way of doing that, that he thought of something they never thought of, that he, Jacob Arminius could preserve the sovereignty of God and still maintain the free will of man. And, uh, um, and the way, the way their, their answer to this, to what Jacob Arminius thought of, according to these men, was that, that, that God gave everybody this prevalent grace, that everybody has given, that everybody across the world has been given this prevalent grace to make a choice. So now you can express your free will, that, that you can choose because of the grace of God. And so what they're saying is, this is why you can, that you have a choice now, because of this working of grace that God gives to all men. But the problem with that is, and this is, I told Carol, I was, I was driving along, it wasn't long until I was actually yelling at the radio, and Carol said, I bet people thought you had road rage. Because, you know, David knows how I feel. Sometimes you listen, like, are you, how can you be so blind? You know? But the problem with that was, what they, what they went on to say, was they said earlier that grace is given to everybody, right? But then they said that, when they were discussing the two of them, that salvation is by grace alone. Salvation is by grace alone. They kept emphasizing, we all believe that salvation is by grace alone. And I was yelling at the radio, well, if it's by grace alone, and you think grace has been given to everybody, why isn't everybody saved? Well, their answer is, well, you've got to receive it. You have to receive it. And then I realized, then I got somebody to actually turn the radio off for a minute and turn it back on, you know. I said, so you're telling me it is by grace and by receiving it then grace isn't alone anymore. You've added something to it. And I don't care if you add receiving it or if you add raising your pinky in there. If you add something to it, it's no longer alone. It can't be alone and not be alone at the same time. It's either one or the other. And so Paul is saying the promise only comes through grace. Nothing else. It's alone. It stands alone. It cannot come through the, law, through the law, that if the law is there, grace, the promise of grace, is nullified and thrown out. If you're a part of the family of God, with Abraham as an earthly father, then it is by faith and not by the law. That these two things have, com have been completely separated and have nothing to do with one another. Which brings us to verse 15, which is an amazing verse. 
And as you read through this, this, this incredible, powerful verse, Paul says that the law only brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgressions. It means if the law has been removed, transgressions have been removed. I mean, think about that. If the law has been removed, transgressions, because if there is no law, there is no transgressions. If anyone is trying to live up to the law or keep the law, then the promises are null and void, and there is nothing but wrath. That's, that, there's nothing left. If you're trying to live by the law or keep the law or, or do the things of the law, then the promises are void. The, the grace is, is void. If you're trying to add to what God has done, there's nothing but wrath. That's the only thing left. But if you have faith, but by faith, such as Hebrews 11.1, 1, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of not, things not seen, if you have faith, then there is no law, and there can be no transgression of sin. So if you have this assurance that God is going to accomplish what he sets out, and this conviction of, that God will bring about what he has promised he will do, if this is, what you, if this is an expression of what you have, this assurance in the work of God, that God's going to do it, that God is the one who's going to complete this, and this, and this conviction that God's going to do what he promised he would do, you have faith, then there is no transgression. Because there's no law. If you have this kind of faith, you're not under the law, and there are no transgressions. Now, I want you to understand, I, I, I am trying to walk a very, very fine line here. I understand that. And I'm trying to do this because I'm trying to follow Paul, who I believe himself walked a very, very fine line here. You know, as, as, as Paul taught this, we know the reactions that Paul got. 6.1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul knew this is, when he teaches it, this is how people are going to react. Or 6.15, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? So, so Paul says, Paul taught this. I mean, this, this is, this, you know, the, this razor point. So what does it look like? That we're no longer under the law. That there are no transgressions. Does this mean I, I, I can't sin? I can do whatever I want to? Sort of. Sort of. Wait. What's that mean? No, I didn't say yes. I said sort of. We know there are sins. First John, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. Hebrews 12. There, he disciplines whom he loves the sin. So there, but, but, but there's still, there's something, there's something amazing that changes part of being part of this family. There is no transgression. It does not mean there's no sin. And that I can never sin because there's no law. 
Instead, there's no wrath. There's no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Eight, Romans 8, 1, 1 through 3. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by faith could not do. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. So that, we are, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build, build each other up as you're already doing. You're not under the law. There is no transgressions. Well, but how does this all work? What does this mean? And here's the thing. If, if it was just your decision, if it was just up to you, we would be in sorry shape. If it was just, all right, you've been set free like a bunch of children, oh, what a disaster that would be. But that's not where we are. Paul goes on, verse 16. Because we're not finished with this. Paul goes on, verse 16. That is why it depends on faith. That is why it depends on faith. He said, he said, it's not you're set free. It's not that, well, there's no law. There's no, you do whatever you want to. No, that's why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. Not only the adherence to the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. It must depend on faith. Because our salvation must depend on God. It is God who must secure our hope. God must be the secure. He must be the anchor of our hope. And the promise must rest on grace and grace alone. It must rest on grace and grace alone. And just as the Armenian, just as they were saying, well, no, no, it's grace plus you receiving it. I, I, I'll be honest, I told Carol this morning, I had a horrible understanding of this. Because I would have said, well, it, it's grace plus faith. You know, it's your faith. And, and if we get into this, you know, so, you know, as, as I, I would have, I, I, my understanding, my, what, I, what I was raised up believing was that, that, it was my faith that caused my new birth, my rebirth. That, that was my understanding of salvation. My faith caused my rebirth, and, 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 then, and that was it. And so the, this rebirth was kind of this, this tack-on, this add-on into this. Well, then it still depends on you. And Paul said, no, it's grace alone. No, it is grace that causes your faith, not your faith that causes grace. It depends on God and God alone. This is the benefit of family. It is guaranteed. You have been born in the family. 
It's guaranteed. The way that God guaranteed it was to remove the outside restraints of the law and write them on my hearts instead. See, because as long as the outside law was out here, I'm going to break it. I'm going to find a way to break it every time. So God removed those outside restraints, and instead he wrote them on my heart. God did a great work. He took away these outside boundaries of the law that, that came with all the wrath and all the punishment of the law, and he removed them by fulfilling them in Christ. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the land, took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. It's a new covenant that was consummated in the blood of Jesus Christ. That was brought about by the broken body of Jesus Christ. This new covenant, my covenant that they broke, the old one, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. I mean, even though I loved them, my love didn't change. It was my love was there. They still broke the commandment. They broke that. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer each one teach his neighbor, and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the, last, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. God said, I, I, I fulfilled that out all. I've done that. I've done away with that. Now I've written on your heart. Therefore, it rests fully on God, fully on him and on, on, on what he's done, and not on us, and not on our ability. Piper explains it this way. He talks about the, the, the story of the child crossing the street. And I heard it applied, I guess, more applicable to, to us as if you're walking across the alcohol highway. Could you imagine walking across the alcohol highway with, with a little child, you know, this little little toddler. And the daddy turns to the child and says, all right, son, hold on, hold my hand. You know, and just he holds the finger down there and, and he starts running across the street. That's not the picture. You know, picture is, you know, and I thought about, you know, I've got a big hands. I remember walking with the kids sometimes and that they will hold this finger and my whole, my, my, I look down there once and my, my hand kind of covered the whole arm, you know. It's like, they got my finger, but I got their whole arm in my hand. And, 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 and you know, that's, that's how we get across the street. You know, and then as, when they crossed the street, the little boy looked up and said, I held on, Daddy. He's like, yeah, you sure did. <laughs> you know, the, the dad's got the whole arm. He's holding on. You know, it, 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 our, our salvation is because of what God's done, you know. It's guaranteed because of what he's done. Because we're part of that family. And he said it's the same for everybody. There's only one salvation. It's the same for everybody. He went on, not only to the adherence, adherence of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. There's only one salvation. It is the salvation that rests fully on grace alone and is guaranteed to the offspring of Abraham being in faith. What he is not saying here, 
He's, saying, he's not saying it's, a, it's guaranteed to the adherents of the law and the ones who have faith. He's not saying that. Paul's not contradicting what he just said. He's not gone through, through two chapters saying, no, it's, it's by faith alone. And now he's saying, but also to the adherents of the law. He said, no, anybody who wants this to guarantee, anybody who wants there's only one way to have it. And that's by him. So if you are a Jew who is trusting the law, there's only one salvation. By faith alone, in grace alone. It's the same for everybody. Paul says there's only one salvation. There's only one guarantee of hope, one security, and that is by grace. There cannot be two different salvations. So to obtain this salvation, to be a part of this salvation, you must be in the family. You must have Abraham as your father. You must have faith. And so, so God does his great work. God does his great work of rebirth. And we understand this by faith. We understand it by faith. Just what happened. And God wrote this on our heart. So here's the, 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 the real thing, you know, can you, can you sin all you want? No, the problem is you sin more than you want. You know? It changes your want. It changes your want. He writes it on your heart. This is, this is what salvation, this is that, that, that change that takes place. When he writes it on your heart. And by faith, you, you look at your life and you say, God, I'm not where I want to be yet. But I'm trusting you. Not my work. Not, not my, I'm not going to try harder. I'm going to trust you more. Teach me to trust you more. I'm going to come to you to ask you to do this work. Because you're my hope. You're my only hope. It is not about us trying harder and doing better. He is the guarantor. Let's pray. Lord, as, as that, that, as we've sung earlier, to Christ be all the glory. Lord, I look at my life and I think of the times when, when through misunderstanding and, and, and even through misteaching, Lord, I, I, I gave myself and others way too much credit. Lord, it is truly your work and your work alone. It is by your grace alone are we saved. You, you cause all of that divine influence of God on our heart, that, that working of God to change our hearts. And Lord, that freedom, that joy we have, an incredible statement where there is no law, there is no transgression. It's just that, that startling realization of what it means to be part of your family. That, 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 that we are, it's by faith and faith alone. And there are the, the external laws. Have been removed. 
and instead written on our hearts. And Lord, I pray that as we, uh, as we continue to study and what this looks like, may you be glorified more and more in our lives, more and more to understand the salvation. May we see this to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.